This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control. It's the car show here on BFM. On the line with me, as per usual, I'm joined by these two gentlemen. Uh, One of them is known as Arif Ruse. He's the man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, Richard. Hello, everybody. And the other one is Daniel Fernandez. He's the one with the website, dsf.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello and good evening, everybody. And I just want to say this. Last week, we didn't do a show. Uh And I had like... 3 million emails complaining about this, so we cannot miss a show, gentlemen. Oh, well, there you go. Today's show, as usual, is broken down into three parts. We've got some news and discussion at the top, in the middle, a bit of about uh, the range of life and automotive excursions. Uh, And then coming up in part three, all about used cars. 1999 Honda Civic Type R. Costs a little bit more than you might think. Right, Arif, what have you got for us? As Daniel mentioned, you know, we've been away. Uh, People have been angry. They didn't get to get their taste of Richard Bradbury on cruise control, speaking his mind. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys have a good break, regardless? Indeed, yes. Nice and quiet, apart from the fireworks. Fantastic break. You know, you could drive anywhere in KL and PJ. No traffic jam. Parking was easy to get. Even in the worst malls, there was ample parking. Yes. It was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. But, uh, you know, while we were away, we had encountered quite a lot of auto-related shenanigans. Yes. Um, Something that Malaysians really cannot escape, really. Because over the long weekend, you know, everyone, balik kampung or gone on holiday, the highways outside of KL were packed. Beaches and parks were full. People still having the argument about RFIDs and smart tags. And of course, as it is usual, as it is customary in Malaysia, once every few weeks, a video goes viral of a VVIP and his escorts, and in this case, effectively causing a traffic accident and then driving away. And then there was the JPJ Director General who wanted to suspend permits of driving schools if the former driving school students like you and me, Daniel, maybe Richard, he hasn't got his license yet, have committed traffic offences, which we all know is a really, really dumb thing because those is mostly not the driving school's fault. It's mostly somebody else who passes these people and gives them licenses, right? Yeah, but it's also, I think, um, yes, you you can't blame the driving schools. They do their best. Uh, Some of them are not really the best, but they still do what they're required to do. But it's the the JPJ officers that come and test them and pass them. Mm -hmm. And then I think if you're going to summon anyone or suspend anyone's uh, driving or whatever should be the parents of these people who are breaking the law. What if they're older than, you know, like let's say, for example, a 45-year-old Englishman is deciding to take his driving lesson <laughs> for the first time. call his mother up in UK and suspend the license. <laughs> because, you see, if your parent doesn't teach you what mm. is right and what is wrong, you will continue doing what is wrong. Oh, I mean, I mean that's a, an odd example, obviously, but... Okay, I'll give you another example. I've got a friend <laughs> who refuses to wear a seatbelt every time he goes out. So his son also doesn't use a seatbelt. That's the parents' mm. fault. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You know? And I've got another friend who's happily breaking the law all the time and saying, let them summon me, I'll wait till end of the year and just pay a discount, you know? I've, I've heard a lot of that too. So his children also do the same thing, you know? Yeah. 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 So don't, don't blame the JPT officer. Ah, that's first line of defense. Don't blame the driving schools, you know? Blame the parents. Well, Daniel, apparently we it's it's water under the bridge now because the, the transport ministry came out and said that no such thing will happen. So that's good. 
Uh, but recently, in this past two weeks or so, there has been something that I've been particularly annoyed by. Okay, tell mm-hmm. me. And it's the rakyat, us, mm-hmm. regular folk. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a bit of a broad topic, Arif, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that doesn't include Richard because he's not rakyat. <laughs> Fine. People like us, you know, car right. enthusiasts, people who love to go on holidays and journeys and travel different highways and take pictures everywhere. It's really annoyed me these past weeks because uh, apparently a lot of people went to the newly opened Jalan Temiang uh, to Pantai Highway in Negeri Sembilan uh, for a photo opportunity and a bunch of them decided to stop in the emergency lane. So what you get is, a, you know, a valley, a road in the middle and a bunch of up to 50 cars just parked on the emergency lane. And obviously, this is a terrible thing. And it really irks me when this happens because this doesn't only happen on that one occasion. This happens everywhere in Malaysia where people just feel like they should stop because they should stop. And it's wrong. You know, it's super dangerous. 48 people were fine in, in this instance. But obviously, because reports and pictures of that place is still coming out, that hasn't really stopped anyone, has it? And to me, it brings up two thoughts. One is that Malaysians, we really don't care about road rules. It's... It's cowboy town where we are, apparently. And number two, uh, I've realized on our highways, we are bereft of quite beautiful scenery that we should take advantage of. I mean, this Jalan Temiang Pantai Highway is literally a freshly tarred road in a manufactured valley. And we call that a photographic scenery. There's nothing to look at except for a hill. <laughs> but if you drive on Karat Highway, you know, it's weaving through the mountains. Whatever stopover point was built here where people could just enjoy the fresh air in the mountains, have a look over the valley, mm. have a cup of coffee. We don't have those things. Currently, all we have are R&Rs with 35 Vellfires and hundreds of unhappy kids and 10 parents. <laughs> You know, (laughs) I think it's something that we should look into doing because people do want to go out and drive. They just don't really have any place to stop. Mm. Thoughts? I think they should put a charging station because, you know, then the the EVs can go. And then uh, put a Dunkin' Donuts, put a KFC, put a petrol station. (laughs) It's not called an R&R, Daniel. It's literally a place where you just stop your car and take a breather. You just have to give them all this. So there's there's even bigger reasons to take photos, you see? (laughs) But anyway, uh, a little bit of a rant there. But um, you you feel better now? A little bit better. All right, okay. Yeah. Go on then. Let's talk about cars. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do it. So, Daniel, you have brought us two stories regarding our national car makers. Mm, first of all, Proton X70. What a wonderful car! Hot selling has done so well since it was launched in December 2018. But you know, it's got that that in car entertainment unit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which everybody was talking about, you know, because you can say, Hi Proton, uh, open a sunroof. Hi Proton, put down my window down. Hi Proton. And, you know, YouTubers went crazy with it when it was launched. There, I think there is like 3,000 YouTube videos out there about it, except one from me because I didn't do, I didn't do one because I found it a little bit too much. Anyway, <laughs> today, most of the, the Proton X70 owners are going, Hi Proton, where's my spare part? Hi Proton, got spare part. Hi Proton. <laughs> My car broke down, no spare part. Ah. <laughs> and how does the Proton respond? <laughs> proton respond, uh, sorry, out of order. On the way. No, the thing is, <laughs> I've been talking to so many Proton dealers, different, different dealers, because I know some of them. And I said, why are your customers coming back and complaining online about spare parts? No bumper, no side view mirror. I mean, this is going on for two years. Mm. So when you, when you talk to... Manufacturer, they always say, "Oh, you know, it's COVID nineteen, shipping issue, factories closure, people got COVID, blah blah blah." I totally understand because it happened to all the brands. Mm-hmm. But then factories started reopening, 
And then they're still having these problems. And now comes to two, 2022, and the problems are still there. There are people who, are, who have cars have been stuck for three months, two months, six weeks, four weeks. And a lot of them are also media people, people in our media, but they dare not say anything because they don't want to get in trouble. But you know, I'm a troublemaker, so I'm going to say I this. was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this. You know, the official answer that keeps coming back from the dealership is, oh, you know, COVID lah, brother, COVID lah. You know, the ship cannot come from China. I say, okay, I agree. Ship cannot come from China, COVID. But how is an, another ship, another special ship, maybe it's a ghost <laughs> ship or maybe some stealth ship, able to bring all the CKD packs to build new cars to sell? Yeah. Oh, interesting theory, yeah. Ah, because Proton has been giving a month-by-month guide of how their sales have been going up, going up. This is the first month, January, where they've actually seen a little drop in sales because, you know, New Year and, and everything else. But every mm. month, their sales are going up and... It's for the X50 and X70. Mm-hmm. So if you can bring the CKD pack, which is the, 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 the kit from China, which has bumpers, side view mirrors and everything, can you add a few more side view mirrors and bumpers so that you can fix cars that are sitting in workshops? And why are these cars sitting in workshops? Not because the cars are failing, but because people have accidents. You know, why do people have accidents? We live in a crowded road network. Motorcycles will come and hit your side view mirror. You might have a bumper to bumper. You lose a fender. You lose a a headlamp and things like that. And, you know, I even put up a picture on my website. The main picture shows a, a brand new X70, the latest model, the SE, where one headlamp is working, the other headlamp is not working. <laughs> and, and that owner was asking, how can you not have a headlamp? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's under warranty. It's replaced for free. But I need my headlamp. All this time, you know, the car's been out since, what, 2018, 2019, yes, right? X70. Yes. Surely they must have built some molds here to manufacture some spare parts, right? That's the thing. You know, it's supposed to be a local assembled car. But, you know, I don't want to question the local assembly or what has happened and everything else. That is for another day and another article. But I'm just asking, if you say it's COVID and shipping issue, how come the new CKD packs can come in? Mm. And then now comes another problem, which has just happened in the last few months, which actually prompted me to write this article because I found it really funny. Mm. <laughs> no consumables for servicing cars. So now you know spark plugs can get locally because it's not like some rocket science spark plug. It's the same spark plug which is used by a lot of other manufacturers. Engine oil don't have. Car battery don't have. What? Exactly. Oh. So it's either a Geely problem or a Proton problem. We, we are not sure, but you know, no one wants to say anything. So I thought maybe I'll just nudge an answer from them. <laughs> You know, you know, there are thousands of owners out there and hundreds of them are not happy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, the thing is, I've shared also screen captures of uh, Facebook pages. There are so many of them who are upset. And some of them have had their cars sitting for four or five months for fender benders. And, you know, you still have to pay your installment. You still have to find a way to get to work. Yeah. And, you know, 50% of Proton owners are just one car owners. Another 50% may have three, four cars. But even if you had three, four cars, you still want your car back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And come on, you tell me this is local assemble. Come on, la, Tanjong Malim. I'm sure you got somewhere some stockpile of parts, or someone is you know not delivering the parts, or you're not making the parts. Mm. So is it A, B, or C? Let me know. I think the owners also deserve to know because why? You're on a huge rise after so many years. Before 2018, Proton was on its death door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Geely came in, revived it, bang, they are so successful now. Dealers are so happy, money is being made, cars are selling. They've taken away the, the sales segment of so many of the competitors, which are you know Japanese and Korean. And now you're going to lose all your customer base because of this. 
another funny thing is some owners, because as a result of this, they've decided to go and buy parts online and pay themselves. Ooh, so, you, you know, those, those Chinese uh, shopping websites? Yeah. They're actually selling the parts and they can be delivered within a couple of weeks. <laughs> So what is them, going on? Exactly. So it's it's a real it's a real weird situation, but I'm I'm hoping that you know an answer will come to me pretty soon, which I can publish and share with everybody else. So that's the news of uh, Proton and uh, Hi Proton. Where's my spare parts? Next we have <laughs> Perdua. Now Perdua, this is this is the funny thing is Perdua had a recent uh, um, press conference to explain how well they're doing and you know how they're keeping up with the momentum and how they want to reduce the running cost of the vehicles and probably bring the price down, bring spare part pricing down, which is all very good. All very good. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. got it on the right track. Well done, Perdua. You're actually flying the national flag strongly. Mm-hmm. But there was a question of, oh, you know, we also have to look at electric cars and electrification and blah, 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 because that's the way things are moving. Now, after that, now, no one in Perdua said they're going to build electric cars or supply electric cars or even give a pricing structure, everything else. Mm. But there were some websites who decided to do some clickbait articles and say, oh, you know, Perdua is going to come out with an electric car for under 55000 Perdua is going to come out with a car for 70000 Come on, man. This is all nonsense. So I decided to, you know, put the nonsense to rest, you know? Mm. So I did an article saying, can Perdua deliver an electric car for under 70000 Ringgit. Now, it's not that Perdua doesn't want to. They cannot because electric cars are not cheap. Batteries are not cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, and Perdua relies on technology coming from Toyota. And now, if you Google this, you don't need to listen to me or listen to RF. You can listen to Richard, but don't listen to me or RF. You can Google (laughs) and you can see that Toyota has just only embarked on an electric car program. Yep. Mm. Now, they're not going to take that immediate program and give it to Perdua in the next few weeks. Because why? They have to sell on Toyotas first, right? Mm. And UMW Toyota has not even decided when they can bring in their full electric cars. Meanwhile, they are selling hybrid cars and they are doing quite well with the Corolla Cross. And they're going to bring in more new um, hybrid models. So, Perdua can actually bring in a hybrid. That's not a full electric car. But even with the hybrid, the price is going to be around 90,000 ringgit. Mm. Yeah. Now, in Japan... Toyota has got a car called the Aqua, A-Q-U-A, which I put a picture in my website. It's basically like a Toyota Prius C, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's a hybrid car with a little engine to charge up the battery system to keep it running as long as possible on battery power. Then it it shuts down. It's a very interesting concept. Uh, A lot of Japanese car manufacturers are looking at it. It's a term they like to use. Oh, we've got an electrified car, you know? Okay? (laughs) It's not a full EV. That means you you don't plug it in and charge it. So... Your driving distance is good, lah. You know. Mm. Yep. Now that car, if you convert and bring it to Malaysia, it's seventy over thousand ringgit with no tax, no shipping costs all put in. So if you bring that in and say you want to rebadge it and remanufacture it here or local assembly it here under Perdua, it's still going to cost more than seventy thousand ringgit. Mm. You need economies of scale. So. What I'm trying to say is there are a lot of misinformation coming from some websites and some motoring channels that are giving people the impression that, you know, Perdua is going to give you a cheap electric car. It, it can't happen so soon. Yeah, not anytime soon. Yeah. Yes. What about that Perdua Ativa hybrid or Daihatsu Rocky thing that we were talking about a few months ago? That is being tested right now. So I think that will be the first model from Perdua to be localized. And that will be interesting. But still, I think easily eighty-five to 90,000 ringgit. Nothing lower than that. Hmm. Rich, 
It feels like uh, Daniel had a really, really stressful past two weeks, doesn't it? No, it does. Yeah, because I mean, he's, he's, he's just um, you as well. You're spitting it out at the top of the show. Daniel's <laughs> spitting it out in the middle of the show. I, I better keep quiet. I don't know whether to say anything in case I get my head bitten off. Well, do, do you feel the need to raise on something about that driver's license that you? You know. I'm saying nothing. No, I'm saying I'm sitting squarely on the fence about this. Yes, yeah. I think we should take a break. I think that's what we should do. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of part one. We'll be back in just a moment here on Cruise Control, where we'll be talking about living the Ranger life and the GMAT 33. Don't go anywhere. This is Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control. Uh, we're into part two of the show with Arif and, of course, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Uh, what's all this about living the Ranger life then? Talk to me about this. So we just had a rant, you know, on the first part. And in part two, I thought maybe let's live the trucker life, live the ranger life. And it's great news if you own a Ford Ranger or plan to buy a Ford Ranger because now Saim Dhabi Auto Connection, the people who bring in Fords in Malaysia, they have introduced something called Ranger Life, which is an experiential program that allows you to meet and mingle with other ranger owners where you will be able to enjoy 15 activities, doing nature and adventure things, and even learn how to do off-road driving. Um, sounds interesting so far, guys? So far, so good. Yes, I'm interested. <laughs> Tell me more. Sorry about the pause. <laughs> Just letting it digest. <laughs> so they say these activities and excursions uh, includes you know driving off-road to foodie trails and even get this flying a plane through the city center which what i i i don't know i guess i, I don't know how that works virtual plane I, what, what? I, I i don't know any ideas daniel <laughs> i don't know because they shared this with us and we thought wow you know like this is what we want to do and you know why not you know especially now that you can't travel overseas let's do things overseas uh, locally you know but uh, also, uh, with this thing, you can also bring your plus one, your partner, to meet and mingle with other Ranger owners and talk about trucks all day. If you can, you can afford the full-fat Ranger Life package, which costs about 2,200 ringgit. You get 15 activities, such as the flying. But if you don't feel like spending three days talking about trucks with other Rangers owner all day, there's some half-day activities that start from 98 ringgit. Now, I bring this up because it's quite interesting to me, and I can't decide whether it's a cool thing or not a cool thing because, you know, this is essentially um, car makers giving you a lifestyle package or a holiday package where you can specifically enjoy your cars. And, you know, people go on all sorts of excursions like this all the time. Most of the time, you know, it's privately planned by car clubs, friends. But this is Ford telling us this is a perfect itinerary for your Ford Ranger. I mean, I love the idea of it, but uh, will it appeal to Malaysians? Do you guys think this will work? I feel like it might be something that car manufacturers will end up doing in the future. Mm. Actually, if, if you... I mean, you're, maybe you're too young for, for this, everybody. No, because I've, I'm an old man. I've been around longer. <laughs> Ford had a thing called Lanun Darat many years ago. Have you heard of it? No. 
Sounds interesting. London Darat was basically started to give Ford owners an opportunity to take the, the first Ranger, the first Ford Courier and all, off-road, you know, and it was like properly organized. You go camping, you go to remote locations, logging trails, uh, all in Samaranjo, Malaysia. Mm. And they used to do it regularly. And, you know, the following started with like 20, then 30, then 40. And then at one point, it was just too many. They had to say, sorry, no more people, you know. It was oh. very, very, very popular. And then what happened is the other truck brands started selling lifestyle trucks. You know, I mean, these were all basically commercial vehicles, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the whole trucking thing, the whole lifestyle trucking thing was started by Ford with the first ever Ranger, which was too many years ago, you know. So they changed the mindset and then they, 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 they brought in this whole lifestyle element and it, and it did so well. That is why they had all these fancy trucks with fancy colors and rims and everything else, which nobody wanted to take off-road because they looked too pretty, you know. They didn't want to get mud on them Exactly, so things change So Lanun Darat sort of faded away Seven, eight, nine years ago I think I can't really keep track And I used to go for some of these Lanun Darat trips I I know I didn't have a ranger But they'll invite me and say Here's a truck, come and join us, you know and it was good fun because, you know, campfire, uh, barbecue, you know, sit by a nice flowing river. They're beautiful spots because they had hired the right people to go and find all these right locations for everybody. And we never yeah. encountered any problems or difficulties or, you know, um, wild animals or anything like that. You know, everything was great. So now I think they're trying to relive that and reintroduce it, but in a different way. I think it's a great idea. It sounds super it's fantastic. Yes. I love the idea of it, yeah. But, you know, 2.2... Ah, oh, that's a lot. I mean, which is essentially for glamping. And I guess we get to find out what flying a plane through the city center means. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very keen to find out what that is. I don't, I mean, I, I think for people who have, have got a Ford Ranger or, or whatever it is, they'll probably look at 2.2K and think, well, that's not an awful lot of money, you know? That's true. I mean, I'm just guessing that people who own Ford Rangers generally don't buy them to, you know, go around in the outback, do they? Or or wherever they they buy these big trucks because they're big trucks and they look great. Yeah, my truck and all that, right? Yeah. Am I right, Daniel? What do you think? Yep, yep, exactly. Anyway, are we moving on from car clubbing? I think we should. Yes. Um, What's this uh, T33 thingy you're talking about? The Gordon Murray. Yes, this is a very, very interesting car. And I brought this up particularly because uh, Gordon Murray is an interesting guy. You know, he was the guy who designed the McLaren F1, which was introduced way back in the 90s and was the fastest car in the world for a good, I don't know, 15 years. As we mentioned, maybe six months or a year ago, he started a company, Gordon Murray Automotive, GMA for short. Correct. They introduced the T50, which was essentially Gordon Murray's 2021 vision of the perfect supercar with good old aerodynamics and mechanical engineering with none of them fancy gizmos such as hybrids (laughs) and all that stuff running the engine. So central seating has a fan in the back that sucks the air in from down below. Ground force effect, essentially, weighs under 1,000 kilos and a naturally aspirated 3.9 liter V12 with a 12,000 RPM red line and My a six-speed word. manual gearbox. Wow. 12,000, that's, you know, motorbike territory, isn't it? <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. I'm already imagining what it sounds like. Yeah, well, I'm going to put a clip in right now. Uh, 
Um, the problem with the T50 is that you know it's it's a supercar, hypercar, I guess, and it's all sold out already. Already, yeah. What was it, Daniel? Like six months, it sold out. I think it was sold out even before you showed the actual car. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, and I'm sure a couple of Malaysians have bought one. I think you know that car is too fast that it's hardly usable on regular roads. Sorry to interrupt, but it's hardly usable in so many places around the world because why? This car is petrol. Mm. How are you going to go into central London, central Stuttgart, Munich? All you know, all these all these cities now have you know no no EV cannot come in, eh? Oh, but you know the, the the owners of these Gordon Murray cars, uh, you know, live in estates. And I was going to say they were driving ah. around their own estates. Have a look oh. at my car. You see how fast I'm going around the road. <laughs> so they they have they have rubber estates and uh, palm oil estates, lah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> castles. I think that more likely they have castles. More castles castles yeah. are the are the thing you're talking about. Okay. I can't imagine this thing, uh, you know, just driving around on a rubber estate unless you put extremely large wheels on it yeah. and you know <laughs> build it up by about another eight inches. Yeah, the, the people who you know own the rubber estates would get the uh, Ranger Life package that we just bought. Yes, oh, exactly. That's you're true. Right. You're right. That's you're true. Right. Right. Uh, whereas these people, you know, they would have their own racetracks on their mm. own estates. Um, but anyway, this T33, the car that we actually came here to talk about, is Mr. Murray's vision of the perfect sports car. So this thing is Porsche Cayman size, doesn't have a fan on the back, but it's designed to be more usable and has a classic 60s, 1960s supercar shape, which Gordon Murray himself said. A distillation of his favorite cars and shapes from the 60s. A return to beauty. Perfect. You even got the, the, the go. slight muffle that he has. <laughs> but do we agree? I think it looks fantastic. It looks almost exactly like, you know, those old Ferraris of the past. Very, very pretty car. Um, a bit like a Toyota MR2. Yeah, actually, I'm not, I'm not totally taken by the looks. Blasphemous. I think it, 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 it's, it's a nice looking sports car, but it's not something that, whoa, I want one. You know, I, I, I'm sorry. It doesn't do that to me. That's true. It's one of those cars where you have to stare at it a long time to get it, I think. I think, I think the Ferrari Roma looks way better. If if you look at it from above, uh-huh. all right, uh, bear with me on this. Jaguar XJS 220? Yes. yes. If you stretch it a little bit more, perfect. So I guess, you know, it's it looks okay in our Yeah, books. but you see, the sad, the sad thing about this car and the sad thing about cars like this is they will probably never get driven. They'll probably just be delivered to someone who'll just, you know, stand there and keep looking at it and then once in a while start it and then rev it a little bit and then maybe drive it for five kilometers and bring it back. So it'll never reach <laughs> its true potential. It'll never be thoroughly enjoyed and it'll never be a car to be used, you know? So if you tell me, oh, it's got, you know, zero to 100 and whatever, whatever, you'll probably never see it. Mm. I think Gordon Murray is one of those uh, companies where I think they do have a customer program so that you will apply to own the car and they decide whether you can have it or not. I think it, it works like that because <laughs> because this T33, like the T50, is super limited run. This T33 itself, 100 cars are hand-built essentially. So, you know, they go to some pretty substantial owners, one of which probably lives in Malaysia. Maybe two. Maybe two, yeah. Because recently there was there was a Malaysian owner who wanted to sell his Pagani, you know? What was there? Yeah. How much was the price, Daniel? 14 million ringgit. Are you kidding me? Without taxes. And the car had a huge mileage on it. 84 kilometers. 84 kilometers. Wow, that's blasphemous. Which one was he selling? What The Zonda, was it? Yes. It was the Huayra, actually. The Huayra, sorry, sorry. The Huayra. Oh, was it? Uh, uh, okay. And this guy had a collection of other cars, other supercars just sitting in a warehouse. Why would you do that? Because when you have too much money, it's like buying fine wine. You don't drink it. You just put the bottle in your warehouse. And once in a while, when you have a lady visiting, you go and say, look at my wine collection. 
Can I drink it? No, it's too expensive. <laughs> Let's go and get the five dollar ninety nine cent wine instead from JustWines.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> on, the, on that note, uh, let's take a, a break uh, whilst we've been speaking about expensive cars. Uh, and when we do come back, we'll be speaking about another expensive car, though not something that you probably imagine should be as expensive as it actually is. It's the Honda Civic EK9. What? <laughs> we'll be right back. It is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. Bombing Frustrated Minds, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury. On the phone line is, of course, Arif Ruse and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Uh, we were just talking about very expensive cars parked in garages. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a different expensive car, although it wasn't as expensive as other cars when it first came out. Um, it's the Honda Civic EK9. And Daniel, um, this is something that's at a ridiculous price. Can you talk to us about this? Okay, so I saw this on Facebook and then, you know, at first glance, I thought, you know, a lot of people, when they sell cars on Facebook, they make a mistake. They make a typo, you know? Mm. So I looked at it and said, oh, definitely typo. Then I said, but, you know, this guy seems quite serious about all the other facts of the car. I mean, very, he's written it out well. He's very, very precise and everything. I think, I don't think he made a mistake. Before I could contact him, there were a lot of people questioning his price on Facebook. And he had confirmed, no, this is the price. If you don't like it, it's okay, you know? And, and I think it's fair. Now, it's a Honda Civic. EK9. Now, we all know the EK9, you know, some people call it the modern Mayad and this and that. There's a lot of... Sorry, for those who don't know what this car looks like, just imagine a mid-90s Honda Civic. Yeah. Yes. And a hatchback. And a hatchback. And a hatchback. And, you know, this is a Type R. So, the Type R is rather special. It's got, you know, lighter body. It's got, you know, special engine, special gearbox, special suspension, special everything. Like, everything that Type R is, is all about. I'm not going to go in and explain because the Honda Type R boys know what I'm talking about. But, he was very, very meticulous in what he was giving with the car. And it's a lot of parts and accessories. Very, very detailed about, you know, the type of things he's doing with the car. But here comes the best part. 328,000 ringgit is a selling price. <laughs> 328,000 ringgit. Now, this car, when it was new, it was probably half of that, you know? Mm, mm. And the, the street version, the normal EK9 street version, when at that time, even Honda Malaysia wasn't in operation yet. It was car motors. I remember going and seeing the, the street version which Car Motors was selling and it was like 70 odd thousand ringgit, you know? And it was the it was the the dream to own a hot hatch like this, you know? But, you know, at that time, that was a lot of money. And this at 328. Now, if you check online, a similar car like this, of course, you know, we, we don't know the condition and everything else, but a similar car like this goes for between 180 to 220. Mm-hmm. So why has this gentleman put a huge huge price bump on his EK9. He is put there very simply. I've fully restored this car. It's, it's, I've done everything. You know, he's explaining it. I've done everything. No expenses were spared. The car is better than new, blah, 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 everything. If you don't like, it's okay. You don't want, it's okay. So, mm. I think this guy is quite smart. Okay, because why? There will be always someone out there who's earning some, you know, ridiculous expat salary, you know, who will mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. hey, I want an EK9 Type R. 
and I've got the money for it. And they will want to pay 328 when they see this car, you know? I, I love the bit on the bottom where he talks about uh, the car is fully road legal, can be transferred to your name immediately, no loan, no test drive, no cryptocurrency payment, no swap, reason for selling, I am an old man. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't think Brilliant. he's an old man. Brilliant. I don't think he's an old man. I think he's probably around my age, which is an old mm. man, but not very old man, you know? Mm. I think it's just someone who says, listen, I put this price. Because if you look around today on Facebook Marketplace, some of these JDM, Japan domestic market cars, are just going for insane prices, you know? Mm. Mm. 11 GT was averaging about 80 to 110. Now it's averaging 170 to 200, you know? Yep. A Nissan 240SX, okay, used to average around, again, 90 to 140, depending on what accessories on it. I've seen cars going for 220, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you call them up, oh, sold already. And then RX-7's Ifini, 250000 yeah. At one point, it was 50000 you know? I, I saw mm. Supras recently uh, for 300000 as well. Exactly. I mean, okay, Supra, there's a big legendary thing behind it. You know, it's a big powered car, blah, blah, blah. This is a small little Honda Civic hatchback, EK9 Type R. It's nice. It's, it's okay. It's not great. I don't think the value is right, but... He's putting it out there and saying, if you want, you buy. You don't want, it's okay. He's right. not done anything wrong. I think he's he's being very brave and saying, you don't like, you don't like. If you think it's a big issue, don't, don't come see me. You know? uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, he, he's putting down what he thinks it's valued at. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and clearly, if you look through the list of things that he's done to it and everything and how it's been adjusted... Hmm. There's a lot of money being spent on it, for sure. Yes. Not 328000 Not 328000 yes. Ringgit's worth of but stuff. He's but he's probably putting his time, his effort, his know-how and everything else. Yeah. Now, at the same time, after I put this article up, a good friend of mine called me within a few hours and said, hey, I think you, you had a typo. I think you put the price wrong. So I was talking to him like, hi, I'm talking to you guys. And then he said, you know, these people are crazy and all that. I said, okay, you talk crazy. The same day this ad came out, there was also an ad for a Mercedes 190. Do you know what a 190 is? Before the C-Class, there was the 190E, yeah. And, and I'm not talking about the Cosworth 190E. I'm not even talking about the 2.6. I'm talking oh, about no. a, a stock standard 190E 2.0. The squarish okay. looking. Squarish. It looks yeah, like a yeah, small yeah. W124, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. This guy, I mean, the condition of the car is nice, but this guy advertised it for 41,000 ringgit. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. Because these cars transact at between eight to twelve thousand ringgit, mm. and in fact, one of my staff last year actually told me that he was going to buy one for six thousand, and it was already done up, ready to go. He just needed a new battery because the car had been sitting idle for about six, seven months. Mm. And I told him, I said, if the owner wants to sell, I will buy it because I think that's a good price for a car that's been sitting idle, all all done up already. And mm. just that week, the car was sold for someone, you know, to someone. Yeah. So that's the price, you know, but. 41,000 ringgit. But then again, you see, some people are just seeing this boom in used car demand, you know, for, for old mm. cars, and they're just throwing it out there. So if tomorrow I decide to sell my Mazda MX-5, mm. which market value today is about $70,000, I might turn around and say, I'll put a price of 150000 And if people ask me, why am I putting such a high price? I said, because Richard Bradbury sat in this car. <laughs> I actually got him to sit in this car and gave him a lift. Of course, I'll be lying because you never sat in my MX-5. Ah, this is but, true. You know, true. I can you know, offer you a, a free meal to just say you did. <laughs> of course. I mean, recently I saw a 323i BMW, 1987, hmm. uh, E30. 
I swear I saw this car going on sale for about fifty five thousand. Recently, oh. it's been advertised for one hundred and fifteen. Is that a red color one? No, it's a black, not even a manual, and a lot of miles on it. And I'm just thinking, which you know, it's become a, a very big discussion in the US, particularly because that's where the JDM boom really, started. really begun. People just started importing these cars and throwing them at auctions. And literally, like you said, anybody who had the money would outbid the other until suddenly, mm. like we reported two years ago, a Subaru Impreza sold for nearly a million dollars, right? Correct. Correct. It's just crazy. So it's, it's willing buyer, willing seller. So if there's someone willing to buy, uh, I'm willing to sell at that price, you know? But it kind of ruins the market, don't you think? No, I think because, you know, there are just some people out there who are just thinking... What the heck, man? COVID, I'll just buy whatever I want to buy, you know? Yeah. I mean, in any graph, if there's a bell curve, right? You know, there has to be high prices, low prices, and then an yes. average price. Yes. This fellow is just putting it up at the end and saying, if you don't like it, don't buy it. It's that exactly. simple. But you That's see, maybe, true. maybe if tomorrow I called him up and said, here's 250000 he might say, okay, take that. Mm. He, he may well be doing that. He may well be putting it out there and just fishing. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, recently, actually, I've been following this car for the past three years. It's a E39 BMW hmm. uh, from 2001. It's been advertised on Muda for the past three years at the same price. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> Has not sold for 55 No, but I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I, I, know, I know the history of that car. I know which car you're talking about. Because every yeah. time someone goes to test drive it, it doesn't start. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's a normal BMW. What else is new? <laughs> it opens the door and it goes. Can we on a, on a little BMW quip that I discovered recently? Can, can, can. Three weeks ago, at the turn of the year, I had to send my car for a service. It had a low battery, so, you know, perfect time. Needed an oil change anyway. So sent it, got it back. My mechanic told me, uh, you need a new battery. 650 bucks. I was like, yeah, sure. I need to get to work. Mm -hmm. Two days later, the car said, intermittent battery discharge. Okay. Which means that the battery was not charging. Okay. Recently, I had to swap to a new phone, an Apple, and I had to change my cable. And I found out that thing that forced the car not to start and forced me to get a new battery and forced me to worry for an entire week about whether I would be able to get home from work was just the fact that my iPhone cable was plugged into the car and it <laughs> continuously powered throughout the whole night when I was sleeping. Wow. And once I unplugged that and drove the car for an hour or two, the car charged itself again and everything was working perfectly fine. Mm. Well, that's good to know because I have one of those very same things plugged into our car right now. Good news. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> and on that little quip, maybe we should wrap up for the day then, shall we? Yep. yep. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between, you've been tuned into Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. I've been on the phone with uh, Arif Roos. Say goodbye, Arif. Goodbye, everybody. And Daniel Fernandez from TSF.my. Say goodbye, Daniel. Have a great evening, everybody, and thank you for listening. If you miss any part of this show, you know you can download it from wherever you normally listen to it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. For BFM 89.9, I'm Rich Bradbury. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.